we've been discussing the one another's. So glad that you are here so that we can practice. It's important that we practice one another's. It's not good enough for us just to understand and learn. We need to practice those one another's, right? In fact, can I this, this morning, will you, before we pray, just lean to the person on your right or left, wherever they're at, and ask them, have you, have you made it through the week grumble free? Ask them. Have you made it through the week grumble free? <laughs> and make sure they tell you the truth. Somebody said no. No. <laughs> Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you so much. So much, Lord, that we can celebrate because of what you've done. Lord, it's endless. I thank you that you just die upon the cross, Lord, and, and pay for my sin. But Father, you, you gave me the spirit to renew me so that others can enjoy a better me, a new me. And I thank you, Father, that I don't have to walk through this world and not understanding the relationship with other people, not knowing how to value people, not knowing how to love them, not knowing how to forgive them, not understanding, God, where they play a part in my life. I thank you that your word lays it clearly out for me. And I ask that you'd give us the strength, Lord, to walk in those words, walk in the instructions, God, that really are for the betterment of us. And I pray today, God, as we dig into your word, I pray you would do some work. Whatever resistance we might have, whatever wrong understandings we might have, I pray that the word of God today would just iron it all out, God, and put us on track the way we intend to be. This world has a really good way of pulling us off. We've come here to this house today to realign our hearts with yours. We ask that you would do it, Father, this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we've been discussing these one another's, I want you to know that today is going to take every bit of you understanding how to welcome people, how to forgive, how to love, how to connect, how to encourage, because today we're talking about how to serve, how to serve. It's important to know how to serve one another. How many of you love to be served? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Hey, it's okay. It's all right. You can be served. How many of you love to serve? I, I love, I love it's, it's like it's almost to the point where you think, you know, do you love to give? I, I love to give to people. Uh, I love to give, give to people to see uh, a change, but always, you know, giving doesn't always uh, produce change. And so when we, when we think about serving, you know, what comes to our mind first? Um, serving growing up for me was... Uh, not really my will. It was my mom's will, you know, for me to do whatever. You know, I was about my mom's business <laughs> when I was young. And, uh, and so, you know, the will was to go to church. Uh, the will was to uh, do whatever it was asked of me. Um, and so at some point in my life, I realized that, that this, this serving thing is something that I want to do. And I'm so thankful for the church to actually give me opportunity to serve, I don't think I ever would have really matured in my walk with Christ had I not been given the opportunity to serve. But this morning, I want to uh, bring this, this scripture to you that we find in Galatians 5.13. And Paul simply says that we are to serve one another. But I, I want to explain the context here. I've never seen Paul write so angry, uh, so, um, I don't know, 
intentional about opening his feelings. Let me just describe to you Paul at first as he's writing to the, the, the church of um, Galatia here. He says, I am astonished that you are so quick. He's, first of all, he says, hi, I'm Paul. Grace and peace to you. Da, 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 right? Then he goes, I astonished, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who calls you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. That's the first thing he says. I'm already appalled. I'm, all, I'm already appalled. Oh, my goodness. I did not put that in my notes. That's good. I'll put that in there. And then Galatians 4.11, he says this. He says, I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Wow. He's not real happy with this church. And then he says in, in verse 12, I'll read this in the message to kind of give it a bit of a, a different flavor. He says, why don't these agitators, verse 12 of chapter 5, why don't these agitators, um, obsessive as they are about circumcision, go all the way and castrate themselves? He's a bit, he's a bit perturbed here. And so as Paul is writing, I want you to understand there's a problem that exists and the way Paul responds to that is simply this, serve one another. It's, it's incredible because there is a major problem. Here's the problem. Paul is writing to this church, and he spent a lot of time at this church building it and establishing it. And these, this is a Gentile church. And then as he left, there was some other teachers that came in, and they started modifying the gospel. They started changing the gospel. And so he was saying, as you're saved by the gospel, live free to the gospel because the gospel frees us. But there were some people who came in, and they started changing the gospel to be more man-centric, more man-made. It was just take the gospel in, but you got to add these things to the gospel as well. you got to make sure that you're circumcised. you got to make sure you practice feasts and festivals. you got to make sure that you don't eat pigs, you know, pork, all of these Jewish rites. And so they were modifying the power of the gospel, and Paul was, was not uh, excited about that because he was saying that your salvation is now given to you by God, but it's being perfected in your works, in what you do. And Paul's like, I'm not okay with that at all. And so he's simply saying, you've been set free from that law. You don't have to work for salvation. You are now at a place that you are free to do what God wants you to do, and that is love each other and practice walking in the Spirit. And to do that, we, we do that through serving one another. And so here Paul is, is describing how important it is. And so today, I want to talk about the four P's of serving one another. The four P's of serving one another. How do we serve one another, and, and what does that look? What's the construct look like for us? And so the first thing is simply this. We have to understand that in serving one another, there is a priority. It's the priority of serving one another. What does that mean? What does that look like for us? You should know that serving identifies us with Jesus. That's the first thing you need to know. Serving identifies us with Jesus. The reason is because Jesus was the greatest servant that ever existed, right? And so people know who Jesus is when Jesus served. In fact, I think somewhere in Scripture didn't it say that he came not to, to be served, right, but to serve, to give his, his life as a ransom for many. This is who we know Jesus to be. And so for us to serve really is saying, I am a part of who he is. In fact, I was talking to my girls the other day, and the word Christian is what uh, someone gave to uh, the, the followers of the way at that time. And uh, the, the tag of I-A-N-N means follower of. And so Christian obviously means follower of Christ. And so this understanding of who people were, they understand that Jesus was a, a major servant. 
And so for us to be true followers of Christ and to be Christian is for us to identify who Jesus is. As I said just a second ago in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be, uh, to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So not only is, is uh, serving uh, identifying us with Jesus, but, but notice this. Serving is a response to his goodness about what he's done. Well, I mean, we just sing about that. And so when we see the goodness of God, there should be something inside of us that says, yes, I would love to serve you. I don't know about you, but it's, it is a pleasure of mine to serve Julie because she is good to me. The word says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. So because of her goodness, I want to serve her. That's how we respond in, in our life. Psalms 102 verse says this. It says, serving the Lord with gladness, coming to his presence with singing. When we understand who God is, we're glad about it. I don't know about you, but I've known a few grumpy Christians, and I don't know how in the world uh, that you get to be so grumpy. You think when, if you knew Christ, sure there'd be some fruits in your life. Those fruits are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and it's not it's not love and joy and peace. You know, it's like, it's like you should be excited to be around them. Do you know a Christian that when they walk in the room, instantly the room changes for the good, for the good. It changes for the good. People, there's a, there's a positivity about them. They loved because there's something inside of them that's leaking out. And I pray that for us, as we serve, that there is something inside of us that comes from Christ, our source, that impacts people around us. The third thing is this, is that serving is practicing freedom from the flesh. You need to hear this because if you struggle with addictions and you struggle with temptations and desires, serving is practicing freedom from the flesh. Galatians 5.13 says this, for you were called to freedom. Freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh in other words, don't go pursue the things that, that, that matter about you or consume with yourself, but through love, serve one another. That's good. I'll come back to that later on. Number four is this. Serving is stewarding God's grace with gifts to build the body. That when we serve, we are actually being good stewards what God has given us. In order for you and I to grow, we have to practice serving because we've been given gifts to build the body. Look at 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin, showing hospitality to one another without grumbling. We read that last week. As each has received a gift. Do you have a gift? Yes. If you're saved, you have a gift. The Holy Spirit gave you a gift, and he says, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace, so that you have a gift that God gave to you. Uh, in our growth track class, we just... Uh, pass out a test, a spiritual gift test, to kind of give you a good idea about what is in you. What, what did God create you to do and to accomplish? And when we understand the gifts that we have, we now know how to build the body of Christ. And doing so makes us a good steward of God's grace. I don't know about you, but let me just define real fast what grace is. Grace is receiving something from God you didn't deserve. I want to be a good steward of the things that God gives to me that I don't deserve. It's important for my life and my children. It's important for my bills. It's important for my stress. It's important that I receive God's grace daily. And, and, and I would think 
that me being an evil father, that if my kids are good stewards of the things I give them, I'll give them even more. Surely God will give me even greater things if I will be good stewards of his, of his, of his gift. And so just to kind of recap about the priorities of serving, I want you to understand it doesn't take us long to, to see that first off, serving identifies us with Jesus. Serving is a response to his goodness. Serving is, a, is practicing freedom from the flesh. Serving is stewarding God's grace with gifts to build the body. So what are some reasons why we, we wouldn't serve? Like, that should be enough, right? Sign me up, pastor. Where do I need to go? What do I need? Let me just say this really fast. Ser- serving is not me preaching to employ you to do something against your own will. <laughs> no, uh, he guilted me into this. Now I'm changing babies, diapers. No, we need that. We need that. We need that. If it, and if I can guilt you into changing babies' diapers, go right back that way and help me out because somebody needs their rear end change. You know what I mean? And, 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 we, and that's how you know you love Jesus when you wipe things that are not Jesus-like, right? <laughs> Sign it up <laughs> all day. So what are some things that prevent us? What are some things that make serving difficult? Seeing how serving identifies us with Christ, makes us good stewards. Matthew 25, Jesus goes through the parable of the ten virgins. He says there are five people who obeyed, five who didn't. He gives the parable of the talents that two served the master and one did not. And then at the very last part of that chapter, he, he separates the sheep from the goats. And here's what he says. He says, sheeps are the ones who obeyed the master. They were characterized by their service. Notice, notice what he says. Verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in person and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. But then he had the goats that did not serve the least of these, and therefore did not serve the Lord. Verse 44, he says this, they, they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or strange or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it, uh, do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous eternal life. Notice that in this parable, Jesus says they called him Lord. That there are people who are calling Christ Lord, but are not responding to their freedom that he gives to them in service. In fact, he, he says to be watchful over your life because you can feel like you're serving God or, 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 or doing what you feel like is right and still go into hell. And so God is making aware to us that it is important that we do serve. Now, let me just stop and pause. And so I don't put any seeds of doubt in you. Because you did not serve does not classify you for hell. But what he's saying is, is look at the heart of people who are going to hell. Even if they think they call him Lord, they didn't serve him as such. So let me go back to, to, to uh, Galatians 5. There's four different classifications that we see, we run into as to why we don't serve. And the first one is very clear. It's sin. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love 
serve one another. What we see here is that you and I, we are free from the law and we are free from our flesh to serve. To serve. Think about that. So now, if you are not free from the flesh, you are not free from the law, you're not free from sin, you're going to have a hard time serving. Why? Because when you and I walk in our sin, we are minded about ourselves. We are focused on ourselves. We're thinking about ourselves because sin is all about what you want, right? Sin is not about what other people want, and sin sure isn't about what God wants, but sin is always producing in us a heart that seeks ourselves. And so being free is, is a, a very important understanding here because Paul is trying to tell us is that you're probably not serving because you're still struggling with sin, you're still, you, you want to be free, but you're not acting like you're free. Or maybe you don't even know that you're free. Maybe you've been forgiven, but somehow you're still in the jail cell, and you're not getting up and walking out like you're in freedom and serving Christ. It may be because your jail cell is too comfortable for you. It may be because no one's come alongside of you and opened the door for you and say, walk this way. This is how we walk now that we're free. But for whatever reason, you've been set free, and you don't know you don't know that you're free. And so perhaps the, the, the biggest problem that sin uh, uh, shows us in terms of preventing us to, to serve is that it creates pleasures in us that are not others-minded. In fact, sin exchanges our focus on pleasing God uh, to, to pleasing ourselves. So let me ask you a few, question, a few questions just to kind of clarify where you might be in terms of your heart and, and sin and, and pleasing God. Are the things that please God, are the things that please God the same things that please you? Where are you at on that question? Are the things that please God the same things that please you? Are the things that bring pleasure to you bringing pleasure to God? Because it, it very well could be that you lack the ability to serve because your pleasures are not his pleasures. And what you find pleasing is, is not what he finds pleasing. Can I tell you that if you're fighting an addiction, a great way to overcome, add to, not this is not the answer, but add to overcoming an addiction is to serve. I'll tell you why. Because serving with the body helps you understand that your purpose is beyond you. It's other than you. And so when you realize that what you do is a part of a body of believers, you know that your sin costs the body something. And so you don't want to do those things that cost other people. See, you and I, we have no problem sinning so long as one, nobody knows about it, and two, it doesn't impact other people. So we lie to ourselves. Sin doesn't really affect us. It affects other people. And then it affects us when we get to, to hell. But Sin always is something that, that we're fighting against, but it's always costing other people around us. I wish I had time to go into that principle, but just know that it's true. So when you serve, you actually put yourself in the mind that I, I care about other people, and I ought not do these things. I ought not present myself as a, uh, as a, as a pleasure-seeking person to satisfy my own desires because I know it might cost me my family, might cost me my friends, might cost me my, my, my reputation, my character, which impacts my witness. And not only that, but when you're amongst a community of believers, it, it allows you 
to be encouraged by their strength and their walking. That you may have some hard times and some weak times, but serving alongs other people will encourage you to fight a good fight. Second thing is this, is that, that it, it, uh, selfishness is something that prevents us from serving. Selfishness is easy, right? And, and selfishness is nothing more than the evidence that we lack spiritual priorities. Selfishness is also the evidence of spiritual immaturity. And so we look at ourselves, we think, where are we at in terms of our selfishness? Paul, he, he goes right at this in Galatians 5.14. He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Our attention ought to be on other people. In fact, in Philippians 2, 3 through 7, he really attacks this. This is one of my favorite scriptures that just wrecked my world a long time ago, and I just still am loving it. It's still challenging me. He says uh, to the church of Philippi, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That's a big statement right there. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. See, I love that because we, in this world, we fight over equality. And the Lord doesn't care about equality. He wants you to think of other people more important than yourself. And he says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And notice what he says here. Having this mind, this is the renewed mind. This is the mind of Christ. You have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. It's also selfishness that creates a problem in serving. And just so you know that this selfishness is categorized in Galatians 5, 19-21 as impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. So basically he says is that when you operate in selfish, you're just like these other people on this list. Either way, you're not serving. The third thing that comes against us in our ability to serve is strife. Strife is 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 something that we have with other people because we're focused on them and we're upset that for whatever reason they have made our life uncomfortable uh, or they've offended of us and there's strife there between you and them. One of those very reasons is because we're so fixated on being jealous over people or being envious of other people or we're being offended by other people. And so we only fixate ourselves upon people because of what they've done to us. And Jesus has called us to be a, a slave to other people, right? To sacrifice, to serve them, to give our lives, to count them more important. And so he says in Galatians 5.15, he illustrates this strife in a different way. He says, but if you bite and devour one another... I'm thinking, were you being literal, Paul? Were they really biting and devouring each other? Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Can I tell you that, that this church could have very easily bit and devoured each other along the way? But what I saw in the midst of all of that, what I saw in people's hearts was a desire to serve, was a desire to make Christ. In fact, my, well, uh, uh, Pastor Caleb was preaching, I don't know why he didn't give an altar call, but, but while he was preaching a while ago, and he was talking about the debris and our destiny, I thought, man, how true of this house 
that we look around and everybody else says, that's debris. But the Lord says, no, 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 that's destiny. You just don't see it the way I see it. And so we have to watch that because strife wants to come in and cause our destiny to be just our debris. And we fight that by walking in service to each other. A church that fails to serve may be due to the very fact that that church has strife because people have jealousy and envy and, and there's therefore there's divisions and dissensions. We must, like Paul says, count others more significant than ourselves. And the fourth thing is this, is that there's self-righteousness there. Jesus talks about self-righteousness when he talks about the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. He says there's this law, this, there's teacher there, and he comes and he asks Jesus this question on how to inherit eternal life. And Jesus responds to him. And then the, the scripture says this, but he, but he desiring to justify himself, to declare himself righteous, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds to him and says who his neighbor is. And Jesus explains to him that his neighbor, the person that he should love and care for and show mercy to, is, is the one who needs it and doesn't benefit you in return. And so what we see is, is that Jesus is saying that you and I, it's very easy for us to be self-righteous and look around at other people who need help and say, you know what, they probably deserve that. I really shouldn't help them. I, I don't have to be really a good Samaritan because when I look at their life, are they really worth me helping them? I mean, they asked to be there. They desired to be there. They stepped over the church to be there. Is it really my place to show them compassion and mercy? Yes, it is. Yes, it, it's, it's our job to forgive. And as much as we need it ourselves, we need to give it to other people. There, are, there have been times in my life where I said, Lord, will you just give them gonorrhea again you know what I mean like like smash their teeth out I'm praying David prayers you know and then I, I know y'all I know y'all I'm not normally that way y'all know that I mean I had that one incident with the windshield wiper but other than that I'm really just pretty good <laughs> pretty good and so I looked down I said Lord they deserve that they deserve that and the Lord said Scott pray for them pray that they might receive grace as if you were the one that was needing that grace and I say, Lord, I need more grace than they ever could ask for. So, yes, pour grace upon them. So be mindful that self-righteousness, that we lift ourselves up and we say, ah, I don't even want to serve them. And they probably don't even deserve it. And can I also tell you that self-righteousness comes by much learning. I, I, I want to just explain a fast principle to you here. That, that you and I, as we learn God's word, much learning without much doing really produces much judging. Because what happens is, is that the overflow of your intellect seeks to demonstrate what you know. And if you're not doing what you know, you become critical of other people not doing it the way that you know to do it. But see, when you practice what you know to do, it, it creates an empathy and a sympathy in us to say, this is a difficult thing. This is a challenging thing, and not everyone can do it. So when I'm at this place in life, I am not so judgmental because not only do I know what to do, I'm actually doing it, and I understand the difficulty it presents. But if I'm not doing those things, I can sit back having the gold standard in my, head, in my head and judging folks for not doing it. Are you following me this morning? It's important that you don't just know much without doing much, lest you judge much. Number three is the purpose of why we serve. One of the key factors 
to our service is found right here in Matthew 25, 40. He says, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Service is always about the king. Service is always about Christ. You have to understand. We talked about uh, a, a few weeks ago loving one another. And we said our capacity to experience God is determined by our decision to love others. Remember that? So that we, we know that how we want to experience God is really based on our decision to love other people. If we want more of this, we got to give more of this. So that's to remind us that our, our, our horizontal relationships are only expressions of the vertical relationship we have. So this applies here in serving as well. If you want to love your king and serve your king, you will do so by loving uh, his people. And when we don't make Jesus the center of what we do or why we do what we do, we run into two problems. And those problems are simply this, is that when Jesus is not the reason why you serve, then the other person will disappoint you. It will. That person will always disappoint you. Can I tell you that maybe your pastor or someone else may not appreciate what you've done, may forget what you've done, may ignore what you've done, may criticize what you've done, or even reject what you've done. And all that leads to never repeating what you've done when you've made the reason why you serve about man and not God. It's very important to understand that because we get disappointed so easily. Here I am sacrificing my time, my energy, my resources, showing my gift, and you didn't even really acknowledge or, re or appreciate that. Now, let me just say there is some appreciation that needs to happen, but that is not the reason why you serve. The other side of that is dysfunctional in that, that sometimes we serve because we're affirmation junkies, right? I do because I need you to say, attaboy, attaboy, attaboy. I, I, I'll tell you right now, I am not really good at coming along and saying, attaboy. I, I have always just grown up, just you got to do what you got to do. We're going to do it together. Let's just go on, you know. But I try to slow down and tell people, thank you. I, if you hear me saying, thank you, it's because I am conscientious about what I am trying to say and communicate. Because my lifestyle is, let's go. Where you at? Come on. Quit playing around. Get up. Let's, and I, and that's, that's my love talk, right? My love talk is, why aren't you here right now? Why aren't you next to me right now? And so we have to slow down and, and appreciate people. But also remember that whatever we ask you to do, whatever Christ asks you to do, you do it unto the king. Because if you don't do it unto the king, then whoever you do it unto you owes you your reward. They owe you your reward. And I don't want no man trying to pay me. I need the king to take care of me. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Uh, check. I got that, Lord. This is a powerful reminder to us. Why should we be willing to serve? Why visit the sick? Why give to the poor? You know, why white babies' bottoms? You know, why? <laughs> because it's for Jesus. We do it for Jesus. Why show up early and welcome people into the sanctuary? Why? Because it's for Jesus. How can I refuse to give myself completely in service when he gave himself completely as a sacrifice for me? It does not make sense. 
And so we get caught up in the cost of our service when we don't have our focus on Christ. David Livingston, he was, the, he was a faithful missionary who went to Africa who was asked about all his sufferings. And here's what he wrote I, I thought was just pretty awesome. He says, people talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice, which is simply paid back as a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? Is that a sacrifice which brings its own best reward in healthy activity, the consciousness of doing good, a peace of mind, and a bright hope of glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger, now and then with the foregoing on the, on the common conveniences and the charities of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sin. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in us. For us, I never made a sacrifice. Wow. And when I read about the things he had to go through, and, he, and him to look at me, I take it personally, to say, Scott, I went all through that stuff. It was never a sacrifice. It was never a sacrifice. A sacrifice is what I look at on the cross and call a sacrifice. It was my pleasure to inconvenience my life. It was my pleasure to bankrupt myself. It was my pleasure to set aside my feelings. It was my pleasure, but it was never my sacrifice. That goes back to Psalms 101 2. He says, serve the Lord with gladness, with gladness. There was a story I, I read not too long ago. I thought it fit perfectly here. It was about a little boy who wrote his mom a note, and he said, uh, uh, he, he listed it down there. He said, uh, making my bed, $2.00. Uh, cleaning my room, $2. Taking the trash, $2. Pick up, picking up outside, $2. And sweeping the floor, $2. Uh, Mom, you owe me $10. Mom got the note like you would, and you pulled the $10 out of your pocket, right? You put it on the counter. So thankful that a son understood what contractual, con contracting and bargaining is all about, right? The mother replied this with his $10 on his piece of paper. She wrote back underneath it. She says, changing your diapers when you couldn't, no charge. Making you lunch so you wouldn't be hungry, no charge. Nursing your scraped knees when I told you not to, no charge. Working overtime so you can have extra, no charge. The boy got this note back and said, Mom, you know, I... I forgot about how good you've been to me, and so you just keep that $10. <laughs> wow. I think you and I, we've gotten so used to the goodness of God that we forgot that servanthood is something worthy. We, flat, we, we gladly give God in response to his goodness. Because if I remember when Jesus died on the cross, what he told me was, no charge. No charge. I did it to you, no charge. I did it for you, no charge. I did it because of you, no charge. And the only response we have is, Lord, what are you asking of me? How can I serve the king? The last P of our um, serving is the promise. 
Serving carries with it a promise. Regardless of the task, how small, large, or unseen, or impactful, uh, ineffective, serving always carries a reward. Always carries a reward. Matthew 10, 42 shows us that there's no such thing as the size of the task. He says, and whoever gives one of these, these little ones even a cup of cold water, a small thing, because he's a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. There's a reward there even on the small task of life. Colossians 3.24 says this, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord, uh, the Lord your Christ. So we see also too is that regardless of who it is to, will receive the reward. Ephesians 6 through 7, 8 says this, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, that he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. So there's no good deed that is wasted. The Lord sees everything that you do. Everything has been made and brought to the light. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, therefore, my, my, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So nothing you ever do will be in vain. So regardless of the size of the task, regardless if anybody saw it or not, regardless if you thought it was effective or not, it was never in vain. And through it all, the Lord promises that there's a reward for us as we labor for him. When we understand this particular principle, we, we practice, we, we understand how the Lord works in his promises concerning service. We practice a greater principle in Christian life of service. And, and service is simply this, that, that serving is living with eternity in mind. You, in all that you do, in everything that you serve God in doing, you must know that you are living with eternity in mind. Matthew 25, 46 says this, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The righteous were those who served. And they served understanding that eternity was coming. They served understanding that eternity was coming for those who knew Christ and those who didn't know Christ. And then they served so that people who would not know Christ could know Christ by their service, by their declaration, by their good works, by their grumble-free attitudes. All of those things compound together that we might perfect the one another's. But we express all of those things through serving one another. And so this morning, I want you to respond in a different way. I want you to respond in a different way. To me, I want you to understand that community outreach is something that's on my heart. I love for the people to know who we are, what kind of people we are, and more importantly, who our God is. In, in, in the years ahead, and especially next year, we'll start to do more community-focused events. But I know that before we get out there, we ourselves have to be prepared and have an understanding as to what is expected from us and what is needed from us when we walk outside this church and say we represent the body of Christ. And so as those events will come and time for us the opportunity to, to reach out and, and connect with the body, I want to practice something first off that's coming soon. Now, many of you may know fall on the farm. 
Fall on the Farm is a great outreach opportunity because we bring the community in. It's not here. It's actually at the Smith's Farm. Um, but that's coming up October the 30th. Here is what I, I, I'm asking you to respond this morning. We need 100 volunteers. 100. 100 of y'all, all right? And here's why it's important. To me, it's not about just getting you to come and have a great time. That's important too. I, I, I do want your kids to have a great time. But I want us to come and to serve because I know the power of serving. Serving does this. One, it allows you and I to get together to focus on the same vision and we grow together. You know, we've been doing a lot of dinners and, and hanging out with each other and doing fellowship. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but it's not because Pastor Scott loves to eat with y'all. You know what I mean? I, I do love to eat, but it's more than just about dinners. It's really about bringing the body close so that you might know each other. Because the next step, besides just having dinners and lunch with us, is going out and being together and being connected in, in, the, in the community. And so on October 30th, we're going we're gonna to head over to the Smith Farm. The community is going to come and show up. We're going to push it out there and get them to come. And I want us to serve together. I want them to see who we are, people. It's one thing for them to come to church and they expect you to welcome them and love them and be friendly. They, they understand that here, but they want to know who you are outside these walls. They want to know what you're like in real life. And so we're going to take a step out and do that. And here's how you can respond this morning. There's a few different ways you can, you can say, Pastor Scott, count me in. I want to show up and serve and love the people of Harrison. In front of you, there's a yellow uh, piece of paper, a yellow response um, uh, sheet of paper. Now you can use that one or you can use your app. If you have the app, you can do it on the app. Or you can go to harrisonfaith.org and say next steps and click uh, fall on the farm. I'm going to serve at fall on the farm. Either way, you can do those things. Harrisonfaith.org or if you have the app or if you want to do the old school way here in just a few when the ushers come by, they're going to they're gonna take up that, um, that sheet of paper. And, and here's my heart. Guys, I will never ask you to serve just because things need to get done. I love to serve. In fact, I think that my weakness is, is that I want to do everything. And I, I'm not learning to allow other people to do things. And so I'm having to scale back and allow people to come along and serve with me. I love to serve. The reason why I love to serve is because I love spending time with y'all. I, I, that's, that's what's my major heart. But I also want to be with you as we reach the city of Harrison. I want to I be with you arm in arm. I want to see that person's face that comes in at Singles Mom. She comes into whatever we're doing, whether it's Fall on the Farm or something else, and she's impacted by the overflowing one another's in our life, that we show them what love is, what, what joy is. We show them what connecting is. We show them what biblical hospitality is. We show them all those things. I want them to experience that with us. And so as I ask you to serve at any place, I just want you to know this is always the heart of your pastor. I want to spend time with you, but I want to reach the world with you, with you, with you. I don't want you to send you out by yourself. So this morning as I pray, I want you to really think about what you can do coming up October the 30th. We'll have some more details coming out the rest of this month, but just know that right now I want you to really contemplate that as we go forward. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you sent your son to, to serve us. Lord, you washed our feet, Father, in so many different ways of our life. And I pray, God, that 
that whatever reasons there might be, Lord, that would keep us from serving, God, that you would just remind us, Lord, that it is a joy to serve the King. I pray, God, that in, in sometimes in the monotony, Lord, and the and in the frequency of serving, God, sometimes I forget myself personally why I serve. And I ask, God, that you would fill me with your spirit once again. Now, I don't run after the things of the flesh, but I walk in the spirit that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things, Lord, come from my life, Lord, as I serve. I pray you would create opportunities for me and for us. I pray the city, God, would come to Harrison Faith and ask us for places to serve that we might share the gospel and the character behind the gospel in all that we do. I love you, Lord, this morning. I pray I ask that you would do it in Jesus' name. Amen.